0: If there is an ache within you to be a part of God's work on this earth, to be a part of expressing God's heart and purposes and His will into this earth, then I tell you, you have something in common with a particular man in the Old Testament. There was a man who would do anything and everything that his flesh was capable of to be a part of God's work. He was not a pursuer of sin and unrighteousness and evil per se. But nevertheless, in the flesh, in the self-strength, in his own understanding, he went after the things of God. And God took notice of that. And God loved this man for that kind of tenacity. But even though he had that passion, that inclination towards God, he fervently wanted to be used of God. His flesh was just not the vehicle for the purposes of God on earth. God had to do something to the man's flesh, to his individualistic identity, to his own opinion and paradigm. God had to touch this man. God had to break this man. God was not punishing this man at all. God was not vindictive or mean towards this man. In fact, when God touched this man, he became a transformed person. Even in his name, he changed. And that is, his identity changed from predominantly a fleshly person wanting to do the things of God to a new identity, empowered of God, strengthened of God to carry out the will and purposes of God on this earth. Beloved, in this message, I want to bring your attention to Jacob, one of the patriarchs in the Old Testament. And if you've ever had that experience where you feel you are being touched by the hand of God, and particularly in your body, I tell you, you're in good company. Jacob was touched by God in his life was transformed. And I submit to you, if God touches you, however He touches you, whenever He touches you, it will not be to punish you or to hurt you or to teach you some kind of a lesson. When God touches a man's body, when God puts His finger on the flesh of a person, when God confronts you, in the independent self-strength of your humanity. His agenda, his heart, his purposes is to bring about a transformed person in your life. I hope this message encourages you that God is not mean, God is not evil. God is actually intricately involved in your life to transform you, to sanctify you, to glorify you, And to in a way, yes, break you so that the beauty of his essence, his spirit, his heart, his mind, his passion, his purposes can come through your being. There's a lot about God we know, and that's very predictable, but I tell you, there's so much in the Lord that's a mystery that requires faith. So anytime God is mysterious, you should clue in, He wants faith from you. And uh, today, God's gonna show up a certain way, rest, quiet, tomorrow He may show up in a storm. But I wanna bring you now to an awful passage in the Bible. (laughs) And uh, if you will, turn with me to Genesis chapter 32. This man had a heart for God. He was passionate to be a part of God's purposes. He understood that um, his grandfather Abraham was going to bring about a nation. And he wanted to be a part of that lineage through which this nation can come. He was a zealot. He was on the Jesus bandwagon. He wanted to live for God. He wanted to be a part of God's economy, God's purposes, what God was doing. This this grandfather Abraham and Isaac and now Jacob. He wanted to be a part of God's work on the earth. But here's the thing. He wanted to be a part of God's work in his own strength, his own wisdom, his own conniving, his own effort. When the Bible says, Jacob, I have loved, Esau, I have hated, which I'm not going to teach on right now. This is not a statement of hate and love in the sense that I'm going to send one to heaven, the other one. Do not even pass by air conditioning. You go straight to... <laughs> it's a very unfortunate that American Christians... Uh, European Christians, it started with European uh, Christianity, interpreted uh, this particular passage, Jacob I have loved in Romans, in Esau I have hated as a heaven and hell issue. And you'll come to notice the word heaven and hell is not even in the context of that discussion. So why did God love Jacob? Why did God hate Esau? It's not that Jacob did any better. He was just this conniving, cheating But the reason God loved Jacob is because he had a mind to be a part of God's will, God's kingdom, God's people. He wanted in on the action. Esau couldn't care less. Both Jacob and Esau are people of the flesh. Esau um, said, you know what, I will let go of this lineage. I'll let go of this line of this people, the Jews coming, just so I can have a bowl of stew. Guess what? He was a man of the flesh. Jacob was the same. Jacob wanted to be a part of this lineage, a part of this posterity, this new Jewish people coming about. But he went about it through wrestling, through fighting, through conniving, through stealing, through cheating. Both are people of the flesh. God loved Jacob, but he hated Esau because Esau in a sense said, I don't care for the purposes of God. Jacob at least said, I do care for the purposes of God, but he went about it the wrong way. So God had a little encounter with Jacob and it did not go well, at least for Jacob. But after that encounter, it went very, very well for the purposes of God. But for Jacob, Not so good. Jacob had a need, you will see. He wanted to be a part of the blessing of God. God spoke to Abraham and said, you know, I'm going to bless you. And whoever blesses you, I will bless. And Jacob had understood this word. I want to be a... A blessing to Abraham, I want to be a part of what God is doing through Abraham. and in the account we're about to read, you're going to see a man that wants the blessing. He had already stole the blessing from his brother, but now he's going to have an encounter with God and he asks God, I want you to bless me. It's a good thing, it's a good need. and there are some of you here that say, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing in this earth I I want to be a part of your work. And God, I just ask you to pour your blessing upon me. The blessing did not come the way he thought. I told you this morning. Do not imagine how God should answer you. Don't, don't script it should look this way. Here's a classic case in point. I just want to be blessed. I bet you it meant something for Jacob in his imagination. It didn't work out that way. Instead, God just broke him. in a very real sense, the brokenness that came to Jacob was actually his blessing. But he would never have scripted it that way. And and how did he encounter God? In this particular situation, it was not a quiet, peaceful, tranquil sleep. It was not necessarily a storm. It was a WWE wrestling match. God encountered him in his body. And God broke his body. God dealt with his body. And you're going to understand that Jacob's body got in the way. Jacob's flesh got in the way. And God wanted this man to be a part of his purposes. But God had to deal with this man. God had to sanctify this man, put fire to this man. And you're going to see here, God actually touched him and crippled him. Let's read together Genesis chapter 32. You can tell this is not a Sunday church. Who would preach like this on Sunday? Yeah. Hey, welcome. God's going to crush you. <laughs> you want the blessing of God? Oh, you better wear some metal armor because it's coming. I mean, welcome to legacy. I'm just going to preach it anyway. You deal with it. And if the shoe fits, God will touch you. Whether we preach it or not, He can't touch you. And that's where we get the saying, I've been touched by an angel. It's actually a much better description from the Message Bible. I've been pulverized by an angel. (laughs) Genesis 32, verse 22. And Jacob rose up that particular night and he took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 children. He was busy and he crossed over the fort um, of the Yabok and he took them and he sent them over the stream and sent over what he had with the women and children. And Jacob was left alone. Beloved. Pay attention. Some of your best encounters with God will often be when you're alone. It just so happens that most of us fight God. We curse God. We beat our chest and we're mad. But I want to tell you, sometimes your friends all walking out on you. Sometimes being overlooked and shafted. I want to tell you sometimes being forgotten and slipping through the cracks. It's just life's way of setting you up for an encounter with God. So stop complaining. We're going we're to have another message later on. If you really want to be touched by God, you're going to have to have a change in perspective. So I know you and your friends don't invite you to the party or to the wedding and you're stuck on a Friday night. In the divine economy of God, Friday night is an encounter with Jesus. And now you're all mad and all offended because your friends walked out on you. I tell you, being left alone... It's just a recipe for a divine encounter. Stop complaining and and ask God to give you perspective. Why was I rejected? Probably so God can have a little bit of alone time with you. There's a couple of things on his mind and he wants to uh, inform you about it. Or at least he wants to touch you or as the message would say, cripple you. Okay. Jacob was left alone. And the man wrestled with him until the breaking of the dawn. Seriously, that was a long wrestling match. That's how tenacious Jacob was. So I'm not sure when they make the movie, how they're gonna script this particular scene. Hey, sweetheart, y'all go now, children. Come on, 11, one, two, three, four, five. Where's number nine and 10 and 11? Oh. <laughs> all right, y'all leave, all y'all go. I just wonder, then if Jacob like gets a stump out, little rock, ah, uh, okay, why do I feel this compulsion to stay alone? Excuse me, sir, who are you? <laughs> you're in my space here. Did an argument develop? Like you're sitting in my rock, excuse me. Like how did they get into a wrestling match? Did the angel walk up to him like, hey Jacob, you want to go at it? <laughs> like How did they get into a squabble? I want to know why, how did this happen? How are you going to film this? But be it as it may, my imagination is running now. I've got to curb it. Verse 25. And uh, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob. Hello? Jacob was trained in mixed martial arts. Uh, You're going to see in a minute. Excuse me, this is a heavenly being that's fighting Jacob. And the heavenly being can't prevail against this man. That's how strong he was in the flesh. His flesh could frustrate heavenly beings. Yeah, but I'm just a little girl. I don't have muscle. Flesh can frustrate heavenly beings. You don't have to have muscle. Jacob is a man of the flesh. He's a man of my way. And he fights and he prevails. I I marvel at these sentences here. I'm sure God told the angel, just tone it down a notch, will you? (laughs) Don't give him everything you've got. Let him prevail a little bit. Verse 25. This this man, this angelic being, saw that he did not prevail against Jacob. And so he brought it all out and let him have it. He touched the socket of his hip. And that socket of Jacob's hip was dislocated as he wrestled with this man. As I've come to understand, your hip holds together your whole being. It's the strongest part of your being. And it represents, listen carefully, in in, in a prophetic picture, if you will, it represents the core of your being. It's right here in the center of my being. It holds me together. And so Jacob wants to be blessed by God. I'm not sure what he wanted from the angel. You're going to see in a minute. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Did he want some kind of money? Did he want power? Did he want... I don't know what Jacob really wanted, an endorsement from God, but he wanted to be blessed. But you're going to see that Jacob walks with God on his own terms. He walks with his own strength. He holds it all together. And God's going to touch him at the strength of his being and cripples him. And you'll see Jacob is going to walk with a limp for the rest of his life. But something magical is going to have happened in the process. He is going to become a transformed person. I want to say to you, God is not out to touch you to give you goosebumps. God is out to touch you to cripple you, which in His economy is transformation. God's not out to get you. What He's out to do is cripple your strength, your self-strength, your self-man. You'll see in a minute, we're going to talk about your natural man, your fleshly man that has to be broken in that encounter to be used by God for His purposes. So here He touches him at this core of his being. Verse 26, This man, this angelic being says to Him, Let me go. Uh, I'm tired now. It's been a long night. For the dawn is breaking, but Jacob says to this man, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Again, I'd like to know how did the squirmish start? Did the man walk up like, hey, I'm here from God. You know, i got a message for you. And how did the tough between the two start even? I've got a blessing for you, and Jacob's like, let me have it. And the man's like, no, not yet. He's like, let me have it. My mind is going crazy right now. But eventually Jacob will not let this man know. So I'm wondering, is he laying on the ground with a hand reached out? You don't, don't you dare ascend. <laughs> You're mine. <laughs> I don't know what happened here, but it's, a, it's an intriguing tale, is it not? Yeah. You ought to read the Old Testament sometime, man. It makes for lots of laughter and a lot of questions. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. This is his need. Notice how God answers him. He touches him at the strongest part of his body. And he breaks him in the body. This does not mean God's against your body. Don't read that. Don't hear that. God is against your flesh. Even if it's good flesh. You'll see in just a minute. God does not want to break your bone. Break your hip. But let me tell you, your flesh is just not needed in kingdom affairs. What is needed is the Spirit of God through your flesh, through your body. So if God cannot release His Holy Spirit from you, then you better believe He's going to facilitate an encounter that is going to in some way break you. Again, I speak metaphorically. I'm not sure God wants to crush your body, but He does want to humble us at times and make us dependent on Him, meek before Him, so that we can release all that He has in us and through us for His purposes. Let's keep reading. So, uh, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Verse 27, He said to Jacob, What's your name? It's clear now, they didn't introduce themselves to each other before the wrestling match. And he said, my name is Jacob. And the angel said, uh-uh, your name will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. There's the key. This man was not in the rhythm of God. He was fighting with God and with men. It's a picture of his life. Ever since his birth, he's grabbing, he's clutching, he's he's initiating. And he's fighting with God, and he's dictating, and he's scripting. He's in the way of God. God wants to use this family, and he's going to use this family to bring forth the Messiah. But as the man Jacob is right now, he's actually a bother, a frustration in his natural, carnal, fleshly, self-absorbed mind. View, paradigm. So God says, now I'm going to change your name. Notice carefully. God did not break this man to teach him some kind of a lesson or to punish him or to have him atone for his sin. What I want you to read into the text is that when God touched him at his hip, it was for his transformation. Why does God touch us? Why does He encounter you? Why does God turn up the flame in your life sometimes and just make life so difficult? Why does God sometimes put the impossible in front of you, boulders in front of you? It's to weaken your flesh so you can experience the power of God in your life. And the consequence is transformation. And notice again in verse 28, Jacob prevailed, prevailed. There's many of us that will live our entire life and we will prevail over and against God. So we end up not being used by God at all. And I'm sorry to say, I see many of us as the Lord's people, particularly young people, we, uh, we just don't allow God to actually break us and those portions in us that are a frustration to Him. And so as a result, year in and year out, God cannot use us. And we wonder, God, why aren't you using me? It's because He wants to crush you, cripple you. That is, cause you to be dependent on Him. God doesn't care if you walk with crutches. This is a, this is a heart issue. It's an issue of your heart inclining, dependent, looking towards your Lord. It says here, he prevailed, he prevailed. How many of us live the Christian life like Jacob? We're in the family. We want to be a part of God's purposes, but we prevail. My will prevails. My perspective prevails. Verse 29, Jacob asked him and said, Please tell me now your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So the angel didn't tell him his name. Look at verse 30. Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, because he said, I have actually seen God face to face. And yet my life in that encounter has been preserved. He realizes that the angel could actually have crushed him. And somehow the angel just gave him a little touch on the hip. And Jacob says, wow! That man that I wrestled with, that was actually God. I've seen him face to face. Y'all, is that not an encounter? So here's the lesson. Some of us experience a lot of brokenness. And we think God is just out to get us. But I'm telling you, God is out to show you His face. In that broken family, that broken situation, there's something of God for you to see. We can see God in brokenness. We saw in Job, God can be seen and and touched and experienced in storms. Here, God can be seen in you not having it all together. God can be seen in your crippled life. Finish up two sentences here, verse 31. The sun rose up upon him as he crossed over Penuel, and he limped because of his hip Therefore, the children of Israel do not eat the thigh muscle, which is upon the socket of the hip to this day, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip at the thigh muscle. Again, it is a part of his being that is strong. It represents independence. It represents self-strength that God cannot use for his purposes so every man and every woman then that God goes the distance with they all get touched by God in the strangest of ways think of them Joseph touched by God prison falsely accused broken there is in prison forgotten and then God uses this man for his purposes Moses Goes to the desert for 40 years, forgotten, slipped through the cracks. Now he's 80 years old, practically useless. Why does God use all these old people in the Bible? Because they have no strength, so they have to be fully reliant on God. Here's Jacob, he can't hardly walk. Now he's learning to use people, lean on people, uh, partner with people. This is a, this is a sign of dependence, and beloved, this is the thing of the entire Bible, and it started there in the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve were supposed to eat the tree of life, which represents dependence on God. But now they eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We can do this ourselves. We can judge what is good. We can judge what is evil. We've got this, and it's that independent spirit, that independent mind that God wants to crush so that we learn to rely on Him exclusively. Go through the entire biblical account of every man that was used by God. And you see, they all had some kind of a crutch, some kind of a limp in life. So that they cannot be done by man's power, by man's might, but by the Spirit of God. Amen. 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 You and I's flesh is a gift of God. This body that you've been given, this, this, this thing, uh, it's called a temple in the New Testament. It's, it's the house of God. But this thing we call the body can be contaminated by sin. And Paul explains in the New Testament so beautifully that this body of yours, with these legs and these organs and these arms and ligaments, this very thing that can be a house for the Spirit of God can actually become a frustration to the work of God. Your flesh, even those of us who have good flesh, and we think, wow, I've never sinned a day in my life. Look how religious I am. My flesh is so disciplined. My flesh is so clean. I'm so religious. I'm so spiritual. Even good flesh, religious flesh frustrates God. Before we go deeper, let me explain. In the New Testament, We have lots of religious people. We have Pharisees. We have Sadducees. We have the the, the high court of the Sanhedrin. We have the scribes and the lawyers. And we've got Essenes and we've got Zealots. All over the New Testament, there are religious people. And every single one of them had good flesh. They did good religious things. And yet, all of those sects frustrated Jesus Christ. Good flesh, good religious observances, but still it was flesh. It was not done by the Spirit of God, and it was a frustration to the Lord. No wonder all throughout the Gospels, the Lord is constantly just putting down their self-rightness, their self-religion, their self-strength. Our flesh profits really nothing. And let me speak about the Lord Himself for just a second. In John chapter 6, verse 63, He speaks regarding His own body, His own flesh. And if there's ever a man that had good flesh, it was the Lord. And yet He says, My flesh really profits nothing. Now think about that. In context, he told them to eat his flesh. And then he says, you know, even if you were to eat my flesh, hack into my calf over here. Take a big chomp out of my thigh. A little salt, a little pepper. Actually, a lot of salt. (laughs) He said, listen, even if you were to bite into my flesh somehow... My good flesh, my pure, sinless flesh, is actually not going to profit you. It's the spirit that you need from my ministry. And we've come to understand that Christ died in the flesh for the release of his spirit into people. I don't want to go into it, but that's clearly stated in John chapter 7. Christ could not give his spirit to you and I as drink until his body was broken. So you and I, we say in Christianity, Jesus died to forgive me of my sin. That's just a little blanket statement we have in evangelical, Protestant, Western Christianity. And it's it's true. There goes the Lamb of God who takes away the? Jesus' body died so that my sin could be forgiven. But not according to John chapter 7. According to John chapter 7, Christ's body had to die so that his spirit could be released. Have you ever heard Christians talk in such terms that Christ died so I could be filled with the Holy Spirit? Us as Christians, seemingly, we can only say Christ died so I can be forgiven. But there's more to the story. You can be forgiven and filled. Amen. Amen. So here is a perfect man who says of his own flesh, it profits nothing. It's my spirit that's going to give life. And so why did Christ die? For the breaking of his outer man, so his spirit could be released. I want to bring your attention to one book in the library down there. It's the last one. I do not recommend you read this. Whatever you do, don't don't get this book. Just for the title itself. The Breaking of the Outer Man for the Release of the Spirit. Spirit. If you look out on the hillside here and in the front yard, you will find hickory nuts and you will find often uh, acorns. That hickory nut has the element of life inside of it. But what keeps that life from germinating and releasing is the hard shell of that hickory nut. So what has to happen is that shell has to be broken. For the germination of the life-giving seed on the inside of it. Does it make sense? This is what happened with Jacob. Jacob had lots of potential to be a part of God's purposes. But he was a closed nut. So that angel cracked him. And Jacob was able to release now into a transformed life. It is what happened to Christ. Christ was, was a wonderful, beautiful person. But the cross cut him. The cross exposed him. Uh, for what purpose? To forgive my sin. Yeah, okay. Why is your sin even forgiven? So you can be a clean slate for filling. The spirit to give life. And this particular man over here wrote on this dynamic of the breaking of your outer man. It's not to punish you. It does, it's not to deal with sin. Oh, you're a sinner, so I'm gonna get you. God has bigger things in store. You need a new perspective, a transformed mind that when God touches you and there's weakness in your body and difficult circumstances, it's so that something inside of you can be transformed, something inside of you can rise up, something inside of you can be released. It's actually a good thing. That's why the book of James says, throw a party when you go through trials, you're being broken, you're being released. Count it all joy when you fall into these various trials. They knew something of the dealings of God. The encounters of God, sometimes it's a goosebump. Me yeah. here. But I tell you, if that goosebump does not change your life, that was not really a God encounter. That was just your, your spinal cord just reverberated, nice energy. Paul said in Romans seven, "I know that in me. That is, in my flesh dwells nothing good. And Paul, by the way, was perfect with regards to the law. But once he met the Lord and understood just how fallen he was, and that God does not need the flesh, the flesh can actually be a frustration. Paul made this statement in Romans 7. In my flesh dwells nothing good. Look in Galatians regarding your flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the things of the spirit notice the flesh here is contrary to the spirit they're opposed it says the desires of the spirit are against the flesh aha god then is also not quite happy with my flesh what's the flesh the flesh is that independent self sin infused being that just i want to do it my way notice on the screen here The flesh and the spirit and the tension, notice, these are opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Inside of all of you, eternity has been put there according to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11. Eternity is in the heart of a man. It was put there by God. There's something in you and I that want to be a part of God's work. We're in the image of God. We want to be a part of God's process. We, we, we want to be whole. Uh, we live meaningful lives. What hinders you from living a meaningful life? Your flesh. Sinful flesh and even good religious flesh. Flesh, period. And Jacob had good flesh. Flesh. He wanted to be a part of the things of God. And God said, no, I cannot fulfill my economy, my way with your flesh, even if it's religious and Christian and it's been bathed and it's dressed. I don't need flesh. In fact, your flesh is a frustration to me. I need spirit. God does his work by his spirit. And notice here, your flesh Keeps you from doing the things that you want to do. The things that you want to do, obviously, is bear the fruit of God. Participate in the work of God. It's not the devil that's your biggest enemy. It's not God that did not choose you or did not give you gifts. It's your own flesh. And no wonder then God's going to put you in circumstances to break that flesh, to crack that flesh. And you and I just want to be delivered. Oh God, deliver me, deliver me. Sometimes God's not going to deliver you. He will let the fire crack you. So resurrection can come out of you. Philippians 3, notice how Paul says it. We worship by the Spirit of God. We boast in Christ. And notice the last phrase. We put no confidence in our flesh. Our flesh As beautiful as it is, as trained as it is, more often than not, can be a bother in the purposes of God. That's why many of us, we get into sin, we derail, we miss aim. The New Testament is full of examples of people who started in the Spirit and then got into the flesh. This natural, self-independent, ego, flesh, God has to touch. And I I do not dare say how God will touch you. I'm not trying to imply God's going to hurt you or cause a car accident or cripple your leg. or. Please don't hear me say God's out to get you and cause some kind of a catastrophe. I'm just trying to say... Life has fire, life has difficulty. I'm not exempt from it and you are not exempt from it. If you're exempt from it, you're in denial. Or you're from another planet, or maybe both. But as long as you live with two feet on this planet, this planet has been subjected to futility. Things are not well on this planet. We're all in a state of decay. We've not been glorified just yet. So as long as you and I live on this planet, and I I know this does not sit well with you, and it doesn't make for great messages on a Sunday, welcome to Saturday at lunch. (laughs) It's the only time we can speak this kind of a message. Beloved, if you have bought into the prosperity gospel, and you never ever am touched with difficulty, beloved, you are not in the company of the people of the biblical record. So, if you are then touched, and you feel frail, and you feel weak, I tell you, God wants to show you His face in that difficulty, and cause you to lean on Him. And that difficulty, and that weakness, may even be the blessing of God. Otherwise, if you stay too strong, you're going to crash and burn. You're going to make a mess of your life. And I wonder sometimes if God just allows a little fire. He allows a little obstacle to trip us so that we don't wreck our lives. But again, if you don't have perspective, you're going to rebuke God and get all mad. I dare you to to, to, to just notice the people in the Bible. They all were touched by God in some way, shape, or form. Moses, (laughs) he had a stutter. Like so I can be used by God. I was like, that's my man. I can actually now use you. Because you do not have self-strength. So you're reliant on me for everything. Amen. Finally, we can do this. So God uses one stutterer to set three million people free. And is known as the greatest figure in the Jewish history. A stutterer at age 80. I would not choose him. Would you? I marvel at the ways of God. My natural man has to be broken. Why? Because the natural person does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. God, I'm sure, wanted to instruct Jacob. And Jacob could not receive. The flesh in me cannot receive. Again, notice. The natural person, the person of the flesh, your Bible may even say the carnal man. He cannot receive or accept the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they're against each other. For they are folly to Him. Your Bible would say foolishness. They are foolishness to Him. Your flesh laughs at the way of God, the wisdom of God, the thought of God. Your flesh is a resistance to God. And you're not able to understand the things of God because they're spiritually discerned. So God wants you to discern him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to see him. He wants you to understand spiritual realities. But my flesh is in the way. So I think many of you have said, oh, God, work in my life. Oh, God, bless me. Oh, God, do something great. And then everything goes awry. I tell you that discombobulated circumstance is at times the answer of God. You're being blessed. You just don't know how to process the blessing. You're being crippled and you can't make peace with that. Because you have gotten so accustomed to self strength. Here's the natural man's tendencies. Number one, independence towards God. Lord, I thank you. You need to bless this food now. But after this, I got this. Amen. Oh, glory. Your natural man is prone towards independence. That was the original sin. I don't need the life of God. I'll just eat good and evil. I got this. I can figure it out. Number two, your natural man is insensitive towards the things of the Spirit of God. That's why Jesus would often would say, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God says to the churches in the book of Revelation. Why? Because we're just naturally insensitive number three your natural man my flesh is indifferent towards sin Ah, who cares consequences are not that dire let's just sin do what i want no biggie don't change just stay the same it's okay god hasn't smitten me dead yet so surely he's okay with it indifference towards sin. You'll see when you walk in the Spirit, even the smallest act of sin just will crush you before God. It's like, oh God, I've hurt you, Lord. I've sinned against you. Oh, Father, I've acted outside of the character of Christ in me today. I've been a buffoon. My natural man uh, loves individualism. Can do this myself. I got this. Independence towards God and sensitivity towards the spirit, indifference towards sin, and individualism that keeps me isolated. And last, this is the big one for me. My natural man tends to idolatry. It's just what the natural man does best. The worship of I, me, and Myself. The unholy Trinity. Independence. Every man and woman in the Bible somehow were in over their head. Why? So that they can depend on God. Don't be surprised if God puts a Red Sea in front of you. It's so that you can depend on the Spirit, the wind, to blow it open. Insensitivity. This is something that I'm really working with before the Lord in my own life. God speaks to us. And sometimes He shouts in a storm. Sometimes He's in a still small voice. And everything in between. Indifference. Individualism. Idolatry.